0: Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson.
1: Welcome, 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 my friends, another episode of Tactical Tuesday. I am once again joined by John, who's just gotten back from a trip in Vegas
2: for a week. What's up, John? How you doing? How's it going? Good. Just getting warmed up for uh, getting a little bit of live cash in before the World Series. Just kind of wanted to make sure that I still liked playing and that I wanted to go during October and November. And yeah, it's been confir- confirmed that I still enjoy playing Live Ogre. <laughs> Let's talk about what did you play while you were there? Uh, I played, actually, I played exclusively PLO, which maybe explains why I was having so much fun. I mean, it's just like, it's not, it almost felt like a vacation, not because the game was soft or anything like that, but it's just because I'm playing a new game and like doing something different from like my everyday grind. I went in like fully expecting to play No Limit. And then I don't know exactly where the trains. Went off the tracks, but <laughs> um, yeah, I ended up in the four card game instead, which was uh, a lot of fun. And,
1: and originally, we were going to break down some hands from the WSOP for this Tactical Tuesday or historical past WSOPs, but you know, Poker Go very aggressive with their copyright protection with the WSOP. So we couldn't really find footage or figure out how to make it work. Um, but for those, Uh, listeners who are planning on going to vegas in the next month any updates any word on the street about how things are going
2: no i think people are just like generally excited and like there seems to be like a lot of buzz about the world series like everyone's kind of talking about it at the cash tables people are like asking like you know are you going to play this event are you guys going to play are you going to go like you know which events are you going to play um that kind of stuff and you know everyone's talking to the dealers and and getting hyped up about it so yeah i mean i think there's definitely uh probably some like pent up demand for the WSOP since it didn't run last year. And there've been like online events running. So I'm sure there are a lot of players who want to play live that are, have been waiting for this, uh, waiting for this time of year. I mean, just wanting to interact with other human beings, I think is yeah. the, the real
1: demand. It doesn't yeah. really matter in what context, but like, let's talk to people. Let's surround ourselves with other living, breathing human beings. Um, let's, uh, segue into the hands that we're going to break down here from there. Yeah. Uh what's the theme for today's tactical tuesday?
2: So we're going to talk about uh river bluff sizing um in both of these hands. Um you know I think that well on any on every street in no limit you have a variety of sizes or an infinite number of sizes I guess technically that like you can use and um I think there are good reasons and bad reasons for like pretty much every size. In most spots, but I think like one very, I don't know, one spot that comes up a lot, I'm sure for everybody is like, you're on the river, you have a really bad hand and you need to decide whether to bluff or not. And then once you decide to bluff, you need to decide what size is the best size to bluff and why. And I think there's a lot of reasons uh, for picking like a small size. I think there's a lot of situations that call for like the more standard, you know, 66 to 75% pot size. Um, and then there I think that there are a uh, handful of situations that um you know where overbedding the river is is you know probably what's preferred. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna go over two of the more extreme situations today, uh, one hand from Brad, where he decides to go for a very small bluff on the river, and then one hand from me where I do the opposite, all right. So with that said, we
1: won't say whose hands are which since you just spoiled the ending here in both of them. Um, so we're starting out with hand number one. Uh, We won't spoil it, but it's at 500, no limit. And John was on vacation playing PLO. So I guess for those with superpowers of discernment, they can realize that this one was me clicking around. Um, I fired up two tables. I can't remember what I was doing. I was like doing some analysis, I think, in hand to note and just was clicking around. Or maybe I was setting my fantasy football lineup and just jumped in 500 no limit. It's actually kind of strange this last month of poker to me. I've played like, I've played some 200 Zoom. I've played 500 Zoom. I've played 1K. I've played 3060 heads up and short handed. I've played PLO eight or better. I've played 200 PLO. I've played 500 PLO, and I've played like 30 hands of 1K PLO. I've been all over the map. Just, I think that it's probably related to what you said about being excited about playing live poker, just yeah. uh- playing games that are like, different than what you're used to. Um, but anyway, it's been, it's been fun. And I can say definitively that whether you're playing whatever stake, if you're trying to get hands in at about 10 AM on a Sunday, uh, like I was (laughs) whenever I fired this, this up, waiting for the Titans to play, not much action, not much action at 10 AM Eastern standard time on a Sunday.
2: You're like the you're like the ultimate rec player or like businessman now. You you're just like you're doing your work and you open up like two tables of high stakes no limit on the side and just like or whatever like 30 60 limit like pretty high stakes. Was well, the highest uh,
1: limit game they spread yeah, on ignition. Exactly. I, yeah, I the learned that.
2: on the side, you just do it on the side while you're while you're working like Well
1: 5 500 is still like 500s mid stakes. It's not what i aspire you know, to. 500 is just it is what it is. Uh clicking around. So we're playing heads up 500 no limit. Um hmm. Me and this villain have been playing for a while. They've, you know, it's clear that they have a heads up strategy, um, <laughs> which, you know, I'm not going to kind of shy away from battling heads up when it's tough getting games and you know whatever. So, in this first hand, villain opens two point five x to twelve dollars fifty cents. We've got a six and a five of different suits. We defend from the big blind. Any thoughts of defending a six and five of different suits, Sean?
2: I mean, I don't play heads up or no heads up very well, so I'm gonna assume that it's fine. Uh, Perfect,
1: because I don't play much heads up either, so yeah. I'm gonna assume that it's fine as well. And we'll just quietly move on.
2: Yeah, um, good to pull. Ooh, <laughs> definitely fine.
1: Yeah. yeah. So five six off. uh, The flop is jack of spades, four of spades, tray of clubs. So we flop and open in the straight draw. You can see John's excitement there because we flopped a, you know, a straight draw on with a flush draw possible. This this is why PLO appeals to you so much. Like you just all, ooh, I got something. I got a chance oh, to win.
2: You know, like my my like fascination with blockers on my river bluffs and stuff like that. This is like I think I found the right game <laughs> that fascination.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, blockers blockers can very much matter in PLO. Um, yeah. So anyway, we check. Villain like snap bets a quarter pot, which has been their bet size in like the. 40 hands that we've played so far. Their C bet size is just what they're doing. Um, They bet $6 and a 25. Any thoughts here, John? This first decision point?
2: I mean, like the first thing I think of when I see this size is that, like, oh, this guy must not be like a super reg on the site because he bets like an exact nice round number on the flop. And I'm sure there's been some rake taken out and stuff. So if you wanted to bet a quarter, if you wanted to bet a third or whatever, like it would end up being like $5 and some change. um, Or, six dollars and some some change or excuse me i guess it's five and change if it if you wanted to bet a quarter and so like i mean you said that this guy's a rag and like his open size seems fine um but like this bet size on the flop immediately just makes me think like oh okay this guy doesn't have hotkeys set up or whatever it's just he, not something he plays does
1: have hotkeys set up which was so weird like this bet this bet was coming like insta like every time and then like the turn bet size would be the Believe his turn bet size was something like twenty six dollars, and it was like instant as well. Oh, okay. um, same size every single time. So I don't know exactly okay. what hotkeys set up, but I think there is something going on. But uh, that's either neither here or there, really. Yeah. Um, I also che- check raise. Oh, sorry, sorry. Ah, oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
2: finish. No, no. I was just gonna say that. Like, okay, assuming that this guy is a reg. Like another thing that I would think about is that on Jack four three two tone uh, versus the big blind, this is a flop. Again, I'm not a don't know anything about heads up strategy, but like in a six-max situation, button versus big blind, um, this is a flop that I would be playing big better check on, especially with like the two low connected cards that I think are just are just much better for the big blinds range, um, or, or just strengthens a lot of the the big blind's defending range in single race spots. So this is a situation where I'd be going big big better check and don't really love the small bet with range on the flop, although maybe that's more of a thing when you're playing heads up.
1: I mean, my strategy is going to be to like check raise a lot of my top pair and yeah. like probably yeah. do a lot of like check raise checking with my top pair. I like yeah. adding that in my check raise check strategy and also just check raising these natural type hands like six high that has equity. Yeah. I think villains probably see betting 100%. Uh, I don't think they've passed yeah. up a see betting opportunity yet. So we check raised at 29. I think I could have gone a little bit bigger. Like I think I could have gone like 35 ish. But uh, we check raise to twenty nine, which is like f- almost five x villains raise, and they call like pretty quick to my recollection. Um, it okay. was only only a few hours ago, but uh, I don't remember thinking anything about it. And mm-hmm. um, so now there's eighty three dollars in the pot, and the turn is the jack of hearts. So the flop was jack of spades, four of spades, tray of clubs. The turn is the jack of hearts. Top pair pairs. What do you do after check-raising the flop on
2: this card, John? Um, So after check-raising flop on board-pairing turns, I generally play, I would probably play close to range check on the turn um, and play, again, check-raises on the turn. Um, Like, one of the, I guess, like, my explanation for, like, why I do that is, like, now um, the hands that I've check-raised on the flop are just, like, need very, very little protection or actually no protection. Like if I had a set of fours or set of threes, like, yeah, fine. We, you know, Jack X still definitely has equity versus us, but, you know, his flush draws, gut shots and, you know, whatever other straight draws that he might have are just not, uh, you know, are just now drawing dead or probably like very, very close to drawing dead. Um, And so, yeah. So like, we don't need protection from that range and like, we would actually, I don't know, maybe like prefer that they, Get an opportunity to like hit a flush or a straight um, on the river. I think uh, while that is like one consideration, the more important consideration for me is that like now on this board pairing turn, a lot of my draws don't want to bet and get jammed on or just some other bad situation where like we have a spade draw and we bet big on the turn and then just get jammed on and like now we're the ones that could be drawing dead or are just like gonna be doing very very poorly against their uh, against their jamming range. Or even just versus our calling range, like they're just going to be able to trap with hands that we're drawing dead against, like very comfortably if they have a boat or, like some, you know, strong Jack X that's just never going to fold. Um, so yeah, I, I think I like playing check raises on the turn again for those reasons. So
1: I'm right there with you, and and I also think one thing that you left out is I think villains are going to stab too often facing turn check. Like I mm-hmm. think this is kind of like a strange turn where, uh top pair pairs i don't think villains should be stabbing as frequently as they do like with aces kings queens those hands typically checking back Mm -hmm. um so i just think population in general is going to stab too often or too inappropriately so i think that's another makes a solid argument for going for another check raise or starting out by checking when villains stab inappropriately
2: interesting I'm always like scared when I'm in villain spot about getting check raised on the turn again, when I face check, raise, check for some reason. I don't know. It's just like this weird fear that I have in the back of my head that like, oh man, like I could easily get check raised again here. I think probably a big part of it has to do with like my own strategy where like I, yes, like I check, raise, check the turn and then we'll check, raise the turn. So yeah, I I don't know. Like I feel like my personal bias would be to understab facing a check on the turn, um, just like understand relative to the population, understand relative to the theory, like whatever, just because I'm scared of getting check raised on the turn again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think exploitatively check raise check is oftentimes underprotected. And so I think like yeah. making a data read, you can probably just stab most of your range profitably right. versus right. like what population's typically doing. And mm-hmm. I think that's just like an easy trap to fall into. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. in villain's shoes. So anyway, I I, I opt to check and villain. Uh, very quickly, bets twenty seven dollars and six cents, and this kind of ties back into the flop. I know we've we're beating a dead horse at this point, but like, yeah, this does look like a hotkey setup because they bet it very quickly, uh, yeah, twenty seven oh six, and I do decide to check raise. I go to one twenty two. Any thoughts on sizing here with my check raise once they bet like thirty
2: percent? Well, let's start with the villain first because I'm curious to hear what you think. Like, they're stabbing what size you would expect to see them stab the turn with after getting check race on the flop, and then like what sort of hands you think are acceptable to, or, you know, are reasonable to check-raise, or excuse me, to stab the turn with? I would not be stabbing with hardly anything, personally. Okay,
1: yeah. Like, I would be checking back most everything. So I don't know. I just think, you know, this happened very quickly, uh, this turn bet, which just, I don't know. I, I just, I think they're just stabbing their continuing range on the flop, whatever that looks like. Like gotcha. so five seven, six seven, spade draws over pairs probably their jack x i think that's pretty obvious their boats are going to stab like i think those hands sort of make sense but whatever they decide to continue with on the
2: flop i just think they're stabbing on the turn okay um, wow well, that's that's a lot of hands okay yeah well then like i think check raising the turn like way more liberally like especially with this you know this type of hand although it's not even this is not even that crazy of one, I guess, just a clean open ender. Yeah. I, I think I like that a lot. If especially if you think that they're overstabbing turn. I think so. And again, you know, I do remember the timing
1: of this bet and it was like almost instant, which leads wow. me to believe that like if they're not thinking about it and it's like almost instant, then they're likely just stabbing everything they have. Um, gotcha. So we decide to check raise to 122 and villain does call. So now there's 327 in the pot. And the river double pairs the boards. So the river's a four. The final board is Jack Jack 4,43. We've got a five and a six of different suits. So we do have six high, and that's nice. And to tie into the theme of this tactical Tuesday, what sizing? Uh, I guess first, the first question is, you know, are you betting the river? And then the second question is what sizing would you choose?
2: Uh, So, yes, I think this is a spot where I would be very happy to bluff the river. A big part of it is that we only have six high and no showdown. Uh, I think another big part of it is that there are better hands that we can fold out. (laughs) there' because you know, <laughs> we have six high yeah well i mean sometimes like i don't know sometimes i get to the river with six high and i'm like I, I don't know like if there are better hands that my opponent gets to the villain like uh that my you know villain opponent gets to the river with in this way that like i can act like reasonably fold out but here like it's very easy to see that they can have plus draws they can have you know five seven ace deuce ace five um i don't know maybe maybe even like uh like a hand like ace three that like got counterfeited or something like that Maybe a hand like pocket sevens or sixes is going to fold to like a big bet on the river. But there's, you know, very clearly hands that we can easily see that we can fold out that are better than ours. And we have no showdown. And I think those two things together make it a pretty enticing spot to go for a bluff. Also, I guess just like added bonus, like we've wrapped some really, really strong hands by going check raise on the flop check raise on the turn. So um, our range is definitely going to include some. Boats and quads type sands on this run out. Um so we're not unprotected, like, you know, in, in terms of the value region, region of, of our range. So then like the only question for me left is like what size is best uh to bluff on the river. And I think that's definitely that's a big question here is is do we rip? Do we bet small? Do we
1: bet normal? Well, I think rip and small are pretty much our only two options. There's 385 left, the pot's 327, like hard to find, like,
2: a 70% size there. Okay. All right. So, I think that's, like, one good way to, like, narrow down our... Um, <laughs> yeah, we went from infinite. Now we now we have two. Yeah.
1: We yeah. have, like, a small bet and a jam.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I can tell you what I was thinking when yeah. choosing the size. And I thought Villain would have a lot of... Uh, you know, they have jack acts in their range. Like, this is very clear, right? So... A lot of times when I jam, I get snapped by just their boats, right? Which is very reasonable. Um, I also thought they had, like you said, they have a lot of hands, straight draws, flush draws, maybe small pocket pairs that they may end up finding a fold versus a small bet. They're also going to fold all those hands to a big bet too, probably. But I I didn't know if, uh, I guess the biggest question here is like aces, kings, queens, tens, nines, eights. I don't know if they fold to a jam or a small bet. And that's really, I I think what the sizing hinges on here. Once the straight draws brick, once a flush draws brick, like do these pocket pairs fold to a rip? I, I don't know. And I was not very confident that they would playing heads up. So because of that, I just decided to use the small bet to target their, all their, you know, busted flush draws and stuff like that. Um,
2: let me just try to, like, rephrase your logic on the river real quick. So, like, there's this target of hands that's, like, miss draws and ace highs, miss flush draws and straight draws and ace highs that are going to fold regardless of what size you bet on the river, basically. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other category of hands that's, like, slightly stronger than that, which is, like, pocket pairs, over pairs, and then the boats that... Well, okay, we'll, we'll leave the boats out. But there's a stronger category of hand that's pocket pairs that we don't know if we get folds from... Those that region of their range, when we jam, we never get folds from the JackX and the 4X, So we don't even have to worry about that part of the range. And when we don't know that we're getting extra folds by risking like our entire stack on the river, then, um, like that's a spot where you think it's reasonable to just go for the small size and fold out like a pretty meaty portion of the range that's just going to snap fold to any bet. And, you know, when you're questionable about whether like the extra $344 gets you anything, um, probably lean away from do- using that
1: yeah I think yeah. so yeah. um and that's that's well said and like obviously if they jam then you know I, I just I, I like the small bet from an efficiency standpoint here because if filling jams you know they they're not bluffing here um <laughs> they pretty much always have a boat they did tank though um, they tanked down and ended up folding and I, I have no idea what they ended up folding um, possibly like, you know, a King high flush draw or something like that, where they're right. getting suspicious, but then yeah, probably start going in their mind, something like, well, I've got like the cards that, <laughs> that
2: I want them to have. So that's like, not good for me, you know, Yeah, that, that would go through my mind. The other thing that would go through my mind, like this bluff would work on me, uh, for sure, because I just don't give people credit for bluff, being able to bluff the small size on the river. Oh, I know. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> like everyone, just value bets for this size on the river. Like I, I call the spot, and they just show up with like jack x or four x, like every single time. So I'm just living on the edge. They can exploit it a fold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's why finding these like small, small bluff spots on the river, small size bluff spots on the river are are like really exciting. And like I don't know, they just seeing that it works, like it gets through, is is uh is pretty cool for me. Which is bad. It's it's good and bad because I'm just gonna call more now and then lose a lot more and just like go back into the cycle of like, yeah, yeah, nobody plus the size except for Brad. So. <laughs> <I> <laughs> and he, he's, he's
1: only playing a thousand hands a month. So like, what are the <laughs> yeah. odds that you run into me? Right? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I don't know what villain had because like I said, I don't have, you know, it hasn't been 24, 48 hours yet. This happened only like eight hours ago. So we don't know what villain folded yet. Maybe we'll give an update next week if we remember.
2: No, no. By the time we post this episode, it will be out.
1: Yeah. What are we going to do? Like re-record?
2: No, we'll just put it in the description or I mean, I guess that would be a spoiler, but I don't know. We could put it somewhere, put it in the comments on Wednesday or something.
1: Okay. Put it in the comments on Wednesday. We'll see, John, I'll leave that up to you. That can be your job. Um, go to, go to YouTube chasing social media manager. (laughs) Yeah. YouTube.com slash chasing poker greatness. Check out tactical Tuesday. If you're listening to this on the podcast and We'll have the updated information for you um in the next couple of days, so it probably folded something better than six high though so i I mean you feel good about that
0: yeah, <laughs> I guess
1: like they got deuces or tray five suited, I guess those are like the two maybe deuce tray suited that that I beat um, oh. John, so you have a hand after this. I have no earthly idea what happens in your hand, so why don't you? set this hand up before we go
2: to the break uh it's actually not that exciting until the reverse there's not there isn't much to set up it's a single race pot button versus big white i think this is good we'll we'll go into a hand like where you're completely cold like you haven't seen anything we'll get your total just raw first impressions without without any previous thought and we'll see what you say and it's 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 not like some crazy crazy hand or anything like that so it's not like you're gonna i don't know it's not <laughs> <like> you're <laughs> gonna want to open up a solver or something for this spot i think yeah,
1: I was gonna say you're really good at building the hand up, but then right there at the end you just fell completely apart. Stick around after the break for John's hand.
0: You survived pre-flop boot camp. You've shot the fish in a barrel. Now, prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. A comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data-driven hero bluffs, light call-downs, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Feeding Frenzy.
1: All right. Welcome back from the break. John. We have this beautiful king of spades, four of spades, just loaded up, rip-roaring, ready to rock. So why don't you start breaking down the action? Yeah. So
2: hands starts out with action being folded to the button. Button! I mean, he has a lot of money. He has 2,700. So starts a hand with 270 big blinds, but his stats over 50 hands look a little bit lacking. He's playing 27, 18, 6. It's a pretty Big gap, the twenty-seven, eighteen between PFIP, uh, vpip and PFR. I don't know what to make of him. I don't really have a like. The rest of the hand doesn't really give him give me a strong opinion of you know whether he's a reg or a fish as well. I don't know. Uh, do you have like a way that you proceed against players like this, Brad? Like fifty hands, his stats look not amazing. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean. You know. Uh,
1: I'm. I don't know. Like, I guess they're opening three X on the button. I don't know if that says anything. I know that like there are regs I that do that. I, I think typically they regs tend to open smaller. Who knows? I mean, twenty seven, eighteen, six. Like, I don't, I would just sort of assume that they're a reg
2: until sort of something tells me otherwise. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm comfortable. Um, I usually do that too. Like That seems like the safest way to play against someone is just assume that they're decent and whatever until they prove otherwise. 27-18-6 over 15 hands. I think that would get to the point, that's starting to get to the point where I'm like, yeah, he's just probably like a weaker reg, but not, you know, not some fish that's just punting um, all the time. Actually, this whole table looks pretty good. 26-11 on the bottom and 28-13 on the top. Yeah, so for the YouTube listener and the
1: podcast listener, by the way, just want to say this. For the record, the When I was loading this hand in my browser, John said, just get me in the button. Those are the only two people that matter. And then (laughs) we get into the video (laughs) and you're just automatically talking about HUD stats that are off screen that nobody can see. So well done, John. Well done. You decide to call with your king and your four playing, you know, like 1500 effective.
2: Yep. So I start the hand with about 150 big blinds. And we see a flop of queen, jack, 10, with two hearts, and spade. I have king, four of spades, so flop, an open ender, and a backdoor spade draw. I I mean, I don't play very many leads, and but even if I did, I don't think this is going to be one <laughs> of the flops. I don't think a triple Broadway flop is going to be one that I lead as the <laughs> caller. Uh, I'm sure Brad agrees with that. This flop actually goes check, check, which um, I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, maybe range betting this board is actually... Completely fine, uh, considering just like the massive advantage the preflop raiser or the the villain on the button in this case is going to have um, on this flop. But I think you know uh, what I would do is is probably play big bet check mostly on the flop and then yeah. So I think seeing the check on the swap isn't. Are there uh, any boards? is surprising.
1: Are there any boards that you're not playing a big bet check strategy on, John?
2: Yeah, Jack three three rainbow.
1: <laughs> the one board. <laughs> the one board Jack three, three rainbow. So you got big better check here. My preference would be to bet as the pre flop razor, especially at this depth. Just we've got such a range advantage here that yeah. like any of my ASX wants to bet. Just a lot of hands want to bet. Um, So I would start out by betting if I were a villain, but this villain does opt to go ahead and check back. And there's 65 whole dollars in the pot and the turn pairs the 10. So the, the flop was queen jack 10 with the queen ten of hearts. The turn is the 10 of spades, so the jack and the 10 of spades are now on the board and John has a king high flush draw with, you know, an open ender. So tell me about your decision here, John.
2: Um, I think like the first thing that I think about in these spots is what type of range I can assign the button now that he's checked back the flop. I think his range is going to be quite a bit of jack x, quite a bit of 10x, some weaker queen x that it's not comfortable going for through streets, um a lot of pocket pairs, maybe all the pocket pairs. Um although maybe he starts turning like deuces through fives into a bluff or something like that, but like definitely hands like nines and 10 uh nines and eights I think are going to be checking the flop and then uh a lot of ace highs I think are going to be in there as well, maybe like ace high spades, maybe um you know a hand like ace nine or or uh him like ace ten ace jack uh find find checkbacks on the flop as well, so um, I think the ten is sort of uh maybe it's like slightly better for his range, given that like he's probably checking back almost all his ten x that aren't uh that aren't like two pair or like set plus, so
0: well, maybe slightly
2: better for him, but also not a terrible card for me yeah let's dive into that because I think like so
1: combinatorically speaking, you know your range once you defend in the big blind, like you have, you know, you're defending what percentage of your range? Including four bets, or excuse me, including three bets? No, just a single raised pot, like villain opens button, you call from the big blind. Yeah, probably like close to 25. All right, so 25% of your range, and now villain's open range on the button is going to be something like 40 to
2: 50%, right? Yeah, I think 40, mid 40s makes sense.
1: Right, so then on the flop, they can better check and either option that they take will basically splits their range. So if they bet or if they check, it splits their range one way or the other. And so now the question is like versus this split range. Once they check back the flop, is this 10 better for them and they're like, you know, probably 20% of hands that they have once they check back or you're 25% that you have in full because you just defended um, and you haven't really taken like any action yet that splits your range at all. So to me the 10 is likely better for them than it is for us just because mm-hmm. we have pure 25% of our defense range when we call preflop and now they've chosen a specific portion of their range to check back on which like you said is going to include a lot of queens a lot of jacks a lot of tens and so that just means to me that like this card feels like it's better for them than us
2: okay yeah 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 i think that's i said it was a little bit better maybe it's way better another thing that's that like adds to, to your argument, I think, is that I three bet the bottom of my suited 10x range. Like my 10x suited is going to get three bet facing a button open. So, like, I, I don't even have like as many 10. Like, I'm sure the buttons opening hands like ten five suited, 10 six suited, 10 seven suited. And I just like, don't have the, those bottom suited combos because I, I three bet them pre. So, yeah, I think that just uh, kind of strengthens your argument for why the 10x, the 10 on the turn is better for the button than it is for me. Yeah. So, with that said, what do we do? I do turn a flush draw, by the way, for the YouTube listeners. So the board is now Queen, Jack, 10, 10 with two spades. I have King, four of spades, an open-ender, and a flush draw. I the think there's you, a lot of The ways.
1: YouTube listener.
2: Oh, yeah. The, yeah. No the YouTube
1: viewer can see it. It's a podcast yeah. listener that can't. But yeah, you do have a flush draw.
2: Yeah. Um. I think this turn just situation is like, there's a million ways I can go here. Like, I think I can overbet turn. I think I can just bet a slightly more standard size, which is what I go for. Here. i can go for a check raise with this hand um i don't know I, I there's just so many options here that i i almost feel like i have too many good options to pick from like this just the spot with this hand just feels i don't know like i could go a lot of different ways you have, one
1: I have of those... A, i think the that way that the, the way that you went i think i like maybe the oh. least oh really you went so like, i bet half pot,
0: half pot. Yeah, yeah
1: like it, you bet half pot and and like you said i think like Overbet, I think, is pretty nice with your exact hand. I think it fits well in your range. If you have like some 10x, you just want to polarize or like eight nine off, you know, king nine maybe something like that, or your 10x. I think over overbet makes yeah. polarizing with an overbet makes a lot of sense considering how we've just sort of broken down villains flop check back range, including a lot of showdown equity hands that like facing a half pot size bet is like just the no brainer of no brainer calls on the turn.
2: Right. Yeah. I agree with that. I think another thing to add to like why maybe overbetting turn here is uh just even better than just like a normal or a more standard situation where the flop goes check check is that there's so many draws on this turn. Like the board is so wet. It's queen jack 10 10 with two flush draws um that like I'm going to have no problem repping bluffs uh or finding natural bluffs to overbet on this river. So like if I do just want to play a strategy where I overbet my like, you know, 10x and my straights it's like no problem finding hands like king four of spades that you know, kind of go along with that to create a a bluffing region.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think check-raise is probably okay, too. Because I think, like, I like check-raising because I think 10s will naturally check-raise here. Because, you know, when we were breaking down Villain's range, like, if we have a 10, well, that's going to remove a lot of the 10xs that they're going to have in their range. And so, like, I, I just think that, like, Queen X or Jack X may stab the turn and 10s may get a nice check raise in here. And I think it looks natural. It doesn't look kind of forced. And so I think it, it has a lot of credibility when we do check raise on this specific turn.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So, I don't know. Make a decision. Check raise or over bet? Either
1: one. I, I think, like, oh, that, that doesn't e- matter. E- either one for me, both are good. I, I don't love the half pot okay. size bet, though. This is the one okay. that I don't like. Okay.
2: <laughs> so I, I You would have gone. Oh, yeah. So, I guess I'll, like, in the future, I'll probably go, like, I don't know. 80 or something on the turn.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like if villains checking back a bunch of showdown driven hands, then like we certainly want to go super polar when with, with our range, right. Sure. The river's a tray of clubs and there's one twenty-seven in the pot. And um, given the buildup in the last hand and what we talked about, different sizings and this situation, I've got to imagine uh, the, the old 30% ball on this yeah. river, that missile, that missile probably going to have to, have to holster okay. that one.
2: I use that one up on the turn. I saved the big boy <laughs> for the river. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this spot, this, this, this ain't a small boy spot. This is, this is an atomic bomb type situation
2: spot. All right. So yeah, let's explain like, or why is this a spot where like going small is just in your mind out of the question. And, and you think that if you're going to bluff this river that you have to go huge.
1: Because I think Villain has a high concentration of showdown-driven hands. In in, in my spot, Villain had a high concentration of possible uh, busted flush draws and possible bluffs. In your spot, well, you have one of the major flush draws, and then secondarily, if they have, like, nut hearts, they're just going to be betting flop, like, almost always. So, like, they, they just don't have as many busted draws in this situation, so they have a high density of, like, bluff catchers and because they have a high density of bluff catchers we certainly don't want to give those bluff catchers a great price
2: yeah i think that yeah all that makes a lot of sense um i think to add on to that like in your hand it's a situation uh where when you after you go for the double check raise you are probably perceived to be under bluffing, be under bluffing the river um when you check raise flop check raise turn and bet the River, I think I would certainly just be under bluffing. I'd be both perceived to be under bluffing and per- probably wouldn't have enough bluffs in that spot. And I think in those situations where you like, you don't have enough bluffs and you are also pretty sure that you- your opponent is going to perceive you to not have very many, bl- very many bluffs. Um, I think going small in the river makes a lot of sense because you're going to have to go small with your value uh, or you're going to, you know, it's going to be pretty easy to go small with your value. So kind of mixing in uh, a small number of bluffs in with, you know, your Jack X that just really wants to get called in that spot makes a lot of sense. Uh, this is like the opposite situation. Um, Like you said, like I'm just going to be perceived to have an infinite number of missed draws and whatever's like on the three of clubs river after, uh, after probing the turn on, on a double flush draw three straight board. Yeah. And, and like you said, like that played more into my reasoning for going huge on the river more so than like, Oh, the concentration of like showdown value, showdown bound hands that the button has like, Oh, we, you know, we just said that he has a lot of Jack X and like, a bunch of 10X on um, the spot. And like, yeah, those hands are just never going to fold to a small bet on the river once 10 million draws break out, um, which is why I decided to go for, uh, I think, 125, 125% pot here. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is like, even this is like pretty small, right? As far as <laughs> <for> <laughs> river bluffs go in this situation. Yeah, I think you could have gone 2X. And yeah. for the podcast
1: listener, the river is a tray of club. So the board's queen, 10, jack, 10, tray. John has King and a four of spades, so he's got he's got a nice little king high with a four kicker. Um and you bet 155 into 127 here. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think this is super credible personally. I, I would call with a jack,
2: but I don't know.
1: That's me.
2: Why, why, what, what makes it not credible?
1: Your size on the turn. No. Oh. I just think your 10x, your straights to go like 70 or 90 percent pot on the turn it's a really funky looking like half pot over bet like sizing uh scheme there That's just like i don't know it just doesn't reek of (laughs) really good hands to me like why if you have a straight or 10x like why wouldn't you just bet 90 percent on the turn and then and then choose a really large sizing on the river as well
2: gotcha yeah 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 i think that makes that could definitely be something that i should change up or who knows, maybe I can just start betting some really strong hands on the turn for a smaller size. Yeah. Maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe so. I, I think you, you also have a lot of natural bluffs like ACE nine ACE X, <laughs> just random stabs that you stab yeah. the turn with yeah. um, seven, eight, who knows? Like, I, I just, I think that you've got a lot of random type hands that can choose to bluff the river. And you know, it's hard for you to have like, basically, basically when I, when I say that I don't think it's super credible, the small sizing on the turn to me eliminates like, it tells me a couple of things. Firstly, if you bet half pot, you have multiple sizings. I, I just can't imagine you bet your whole range at half pot there. That just doesn't really, that's a story I'm just not buying. Okay. Um, and so like, if you're going to choose the big size, I think that you're going to choose a lot of your stronger hands for the big size, but maybe you choose half and you insert half in your half pot size. Mm. Like either way, your half pot size just gets more bluff heavy and that just gives you a lot more hands to bluff with on the river and we also have some removal because of your two different sizes on the turn that i think yeah we can remove your value and you've got a lot of bluffs so like okay whatever i'm just gonna call gotcha okay okay
2: so all right actually like i i like that logic a lot um I think like what I should take away from that logic is that like the things that I was saying on the river for why I should overbet the river are the same reasons why I should bet bigger on the turn, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, so I should I should have just like kept that logic like one one street earlier and just been like, hey, I'm only probably betting really strong hands like straights and 10x on the turn. And so if that's well, the case, then like yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like,
1: what do you size if you have a hand like nine ten or king ten off or ace ten off?
2: Uh, I think I have pot with range on the turn when I probe. Like, that's just been, like, one of the simplifications that I've made to, like, my turn probe strategy. Uh, It's not particularly interesting to go into why, but, like, yeah. So, I I, like, that would just kind of be my go-to size on the turn. Um, And then I just, like I did here, like, do some weird range-splitting stuff on the river, size-splitting stuff on the river, I think you may um, need to go
1: into that simplification because I it, yeah, it may yeah, be an yeah. oversimplification right, on boards right, right. that you want to polarize. Like Yeah,
2: like this one, exactly. Like I yeah. agree. Like I should just go bigger with my tank and like I hand like King Four of spades, like yeah, it just wants to bet bigger on the turn and then you know, just do the same overbet thing on the river. Uh, it's like, you know, it makes no difference. It actually just makes way more sense on the turn than what I did. So yeah, I'm i I've, I've uh I've been converted to good. This that's here. that's yep. why. That's why we do
1: these tactical Tuesdays, right? You're yeah, you, you, for my education. <laughs> you, you do it for the, uh, you know, the weekly extra coaching, the bonus coaching session. Oh, cool. Yeah. What is, what happens in this hand? I don't even know. I haven't seen uh, I result. think you can
2: play the rest of the thing. See the video. Oh, uh, they fold uh, it. just play it. Just keep playing it. Yeah. They fold the yeah. Jack. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you said that you would never fold the Jack versus that line in this guy.
1: I wouldn't, but I mean, to be fair, I don't, I don't fold a ton. Um, Anyway, but I think, I I mean, I'm one of those. <laughs> I'm the type of player that is always looking for any excuse to find for me to bluff catch. Like that's oh. just like how I made as a human being is like, hmm, can I find any flaw in this story that you're telling me that will allow me to call off more on money. the river? Because I always want to call more on the river. <laughs> um, that's just sort of biologically how I made. But yeah, I mean, I think that like. You're probably folding out Jack X from most players, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Like, I wonder if he gets suspicious when he sees overbet on the turn, overbet on the river, and like calls with Jack X slightly more. Or like, does this you know ever, ever for some reason look more credible than than uh, yeah. the overbet overbet? Probably not, honestly. Like, and also like uh, like yeah, I, that's a I don't know. I don't think that's a a good question. Like, it's just so easy to bet. It's just like so good to be able to bet bigger with your 10x and your straights on the turn. That, yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah.
1: Well, nice hand and nice Tactical Tuesday. Welcome back from your adventures in PLO. For the podcast listener, don't worry. We're not going to be breaking down any PLO hands on Tactical Tuesday anytime in the near future. Like if it's hard enough to keep up in No Limit Hold'em, my God, could you imagine a podcast trying to break down PLO hands? That would be just a freaking nightmare. Um, John, it's been great. And uh, for the podcast listener and the YouTube listener, we still got free nuffle going on. Little nuffler there in the bottom left hand of your screen. Uh, Sign up, make a new Bovada account, and you get nuffle for free if you click my link and send me uh, confirmation of your deposit. And yes, I do make affiliate money, so that's the bribe. And John, you got anything left to add before we close down shop?
2: No, I really like this episode of Tactical Tuesday. I think we should do something. Like the structure more often, I think. But
0: yeah, that's it for me. So see you next week. See you all next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.